Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Holy Spirit, we invite you, the the, the Spirit of God, to right here, right now, that you would take the Word of God and do the work of God in us this morning. I pray that this Word, the Bible, it's described as a double-edged sword, that that, that it pierces our hearts, it cuts deep to heal us and to help us, to clarify for us the way you've made us to live. I pray that this morning, in this moment, that something really uh, significant would happen in our lives, that the Spirit of God would move powerfully through these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming to Ocean Hills this morning. I know that you uh, have lots of options on Sunday mornings in this community. And the fact that you are making a decision to be here with us, uh, I honor you for that. And uh, I I hope that God speaks to you this morning. I want to begin by asking a question. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't instantly take a, a Christian to heaven the moment that a person receives Christ into their lives. If you call yourself a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, have you ever wondered the moment that you prayed the prayer, you came forward at a church service, that you filled out a card and said, I want to receive Christ, I want to open my life, I want to begin a relationship with Christ, I want to receive forgiveness. Why in that moment didn't the Lord God Almighty just instantly and immediately take you to heaven. Have you ever thought about that? Why? Why wouldn't he do that? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We are in a series that we launched last week. We've titled it, spoiler alert, Unfinished. Unfinished. Connect the dots. Why? unfinished. God is not finished with you. The subtitle of this series, Believing, is only the beginning. I hope that the title of this sermon series gets lodged in your heart, that that it might actually just the title, unfinished, believing is only the beginning, that that would somehow make a shift in the way you're thinking about your life and your faith, if you're a person of faith, this morning. And so this morning, if you walked in, I think you received a little program. There's a passage of Scripture, and we're going to continue in this theme of unfinished. Why are we here? We can summarize it really in two phrases. The reason you're here, the reason God didn't just kind of take you up into heaven It's to live out the great commandment, which is to love everyone always. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's all about love. This book is all about love. And that's the great commandment. 
and there's the great commission. And that's why you're here on planet earth. God didn't take you up into heaven because he wants you to partner with him to go make disciples. Go make disciples. That's why you're here. Most of us were like, I, I, I love the love everyone always. I'm all about that. Live a life of love. That makes sense. I'm in my groove. I can do that. I got my family, my wife, my kids. Oh, yeah, I'm loving well. But the go make disciples, Dallas Willard calls it not the great commission. He says it's the great omission in the church because the reality is in the church across America, most Christians, followers of Jesus, are not going and making disciples. We're trying to take the mystery out of that in this series. And so let me read this passage of Scripture to us. And we're looking at this passage through the filter on making disciples. I want to give some credit uh, to our staff. I was leading staff meeting this past Monday morning, and we read this passage of scripture and I said to the team I just said I'm going to preach on this and speak on this on Sunday I, I want to just have a soak in this and stay in it and I want us to think about it through the lens of making disciples and I want to know where the where, where the Lord's whispering where the Lord might be nudging where the spirit of God might be lifting something off the page and into your heart and so my message is, is a cumulative, if you will, a cumulative effort because I was sitting there writing down notes in my journal from some of the wonderful insights from our team this week. So I want to make sure they get some, some credit for this message. And if, if, if at the end of the message you go, oh gosh, that was a C plus, you can blame me, not the staff. So, okay. Uh, Luke chapter five, here we go. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. The end. Ivy says to push out a little. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And here's what Simon said. Here's how he replied. Master, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Pause. I just, I don't know that there's a pause there, but I'm imagining there's a pause. Peter's pushing back based on how he's feeling, tired, disappointed, frustrated. We worked hard all, not last night, and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, but if you say so, I will. I'll let the nets down again. Verse 6. 
And this time. And this time, something changed. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. We're talking catch of the decade here, folks. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, when Simon Peter had realized what had just happened, he fell to his knees. He fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck. He was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on. What? From now on. What do those three words mean? From now on. From now on. From now on. You'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. And they followed Jesus. This passage is loaded. We could do a 10-week series just on this passage. But today, three reflections on making disciples. If you're taking notes, the first reflection is disciples push each other. Disciples push each other where we don't want to go. Larry Osborne is the pastor at North Coast Church. It's like 10,000 people in North San Diego County. And that was his quote at a seminar I was uh, at few, several, actually several years back. And he said that was his line. Discipleship is about pushing people where they don't want to go. And so as we look at this, it says that people are, they're crowding around Jesus. They're listening to the word of God. They're at the beach. I mean, it's church at the beach. This is where we got this idea. It's church at the beach. But apparently, not for Peter. Have you noticed? Have you read, as I was reading this, everybody's at church listening to the word of God. The crowd's pressing in, but not Peter. Peter's off washing his nets, his boat, his nets. He's not at church. He's working. And Jesus reaches out to the guy not at church. <laughs> hey, can I use your boat? Hey, could we just push out a little bit so I can speak to the crowds? Can, can we use your boat? And if you read between the lines, apparently, Peter says, yes. He says, yes. Jesus gets in the boat. 
He speaks to the crowds. And that's where so many of us live, I think, right? We're willing to push out a little. We're willing to be stretched, challenged, pushed a little. I'll go into the shallow water. I'll push out just a few feet. Okay, you can use my car for youth ministry. Okay, you can use my whatever it is. But let's not get too crazy. So verse 4. Jesus finishes his message and he turns from the crowd and he turns to Peter, the guy working, the guy cleaning his nets. He says, let's go out into the deeper water. Let's go out into the deeper water. Jesus is pushing him beyond his comfort zone, outside of his feelings of comfort. Out where he doesn't want to go. Where do I get that? Well, look at Peter's response, right? Many of us don't want to go into the deep water. And this comes from our staff. We were, what, what does the deep water represent? One person said, it rep- Jesus took Peter out to, back to where his, his, he experienced disappointment. What a great insight. Jesus took Peter back out to where he experienced real disappointment. Discipleship, when we make disciples, we're talking about what's real. We're not just doing the Christianese, praise the Lord, everything's amazing. We're talking about our disappointments. Disappointed with God because you can't get pregnant disappointed with your parents, disappointed at work because you were overlooked for the promotion, disappointed in an organization, a nonprofit that you support and found out the money wasn't going where you thought it should, disappointment in your kids not growing up and becoming who you dreamed for them to become. We live with disappointment. Making disciples is entering into that disappointment, not with judgment, with support, with listening, with understanding, with a curiosity. And Jesus takes him out to the place of disappointment. Another insight from a staff person said, what I noticed is that Peter was stuck. He can't figure it out. He's been out all night. He didn't catch anything. It says he caught nothing. He's stuck. Discipleship and making disciples is deeper discussion about where we feel stuck in our life. Maybe you're stuck this morning in debt. You just can't get enough income to pay your expenses. And you're just hemorrhaging financially and you feel stuck because you can't make a change. Maybe you're stuck in a, in a marriage that's just stale. And it's been that way for a while, stuck in shame about your weight, the way you look, stuck in an addiction, in a dead-end job or career, right? Stuck. When we're making disciples, we're not just memorizing 
Bible verses. That might be part of it because God's word speaks to us, but we're also getting real about where we're stuck and where we're disappointed, but also where we're scared. Isn't it true? Shallow water, when you're a kid growing up, shallow water feels safe. Deep water feels scary, doesn't it? Put out into the deep water. Real life discipleship, we talk about our fears, what we're afraid of. I don't want you to know. What is it that you don't want me to know? What is it that you're not letting others in? About what? What is that that you're afraid of letting others in to? Your eating disorder, your explosive anger issue, your shopping addiction, your giving records to the church or to nonprofits, whatever it is. Like, oh man, I don't want anybody to know. Deeper water is also saying no so you can say a bigger yes. Saying no to your comfort in order to say a bigger yes to pouring into and discipling others. Saying no to watching The Bachelor so you can say yes to Monday nights or or whatever night you watch it that you're going to say, I'm going to invest in some other people. Or here's what happened in my mind. I became a Christian in high school, wasn't raised in a faith-based home. And a man named Dave Hicks said, I want to meet with you. I want to help you learn how to follow Jesus. Great. I was new. I didn't know anything. He goes, I'm going to meet you at your house before school. I was a senior in high school. He goes, I'll be there at 6 a.m. Not sure about that. I'm okay with cutting first period. How about we do that? Dave Hicks would show up at my house at 6 a.m., and there were Monday mornings that I overslept. He, and I, I, my bedroom was on the second floor. He would throw pebbles at my window to wake me up. But I got up because I wanted to follow Christ. I wanted to learn, what, did, what does this mean to orient my life around Jesus, not around John? What's the shift that needs to take place in my purpose and my priorities and my choices and the way I use my time and my money? And Dave invested his life into mine. He became my spiritual father because he spent time with me and he lived by example and I watched and he let me into his life. Disciples push out into the deep water together. Oh, and there's one more thing on this point and then I'll move on to the next. Think about this. What Jesus is asking Peter to do makes absolutely no sense. You're like, what? Well, think about it. Peter, by profession, was a professional what? Fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter, rabbi. Okay. Fish were caught in the shallow waters. Jesus tells them to put out into the deep water. 
Fish were caught at night. Jesus is telling him to go back out, and now it's morning. This makes no sense to Peter. Jesus is pushing him. He's stretching him. He's saying, you need to trust me. I have so much for you, Peter. And Jesus would say that to you and me. Trust me. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you and your life. And I just, I'm inspired by Peter. Notice how he responds. He pushes back. It's a moment of authenticity. He's honest. He's not playing religion, pretending here. He's like, are you kidding me? I've been out all night. I haven't caught anything. And the nuance there is I am the professional fisherman. I know what's going on. But then there's that pause, that aha, that surrendering moment. But because you say so, I will. Because I don't feel like it, but because you say so, I will. I'm tired, but because you say so, I will. I'm frustrated, but because you say so, I will. I'm disappointed, but because you say so, I will. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me to become the servant of all, to love my enemies, to forgive that family member, to wait to have sex till I get married, to go make this. It doesn't make sense. Not me. But because you say so, I will. These are the conversations that disciple-making and disciple-makers that we have. We push, we nudge, we, we help each other stretch in the areas that are a little bit like, no, this is kind of off limits. This is taboo. We're not going to talk about my money. We're not going to talk about my sex life. We're not going to talk about my, you fill in the blank. And that's why so many of us are still the same after 40 years of following Jesus. Last, well, I'm not going to go there. Let me keep moving on. <laughs> Second reflection, disciples help each other pay attention to God activity. We help each other pay attention to God activity. Verse 8, when Peter, what's the word? Realized. When Peter realized what had happened, you know, so many times in our lives, God's always working. You know that, right? God's always at work. He's at work right now. When you go to lunch after church, he's at work. When you go to work tomorrow, he's working. He's there ahead of you. What's he doing? That's your job and my job to figure out. How do I orient my life around Jesus so I'm listening? Oh, he's calling me to love everyone always, but even them? Yeah, even them. Even her? Yeah, even her. But what about? Yes, even him. And he's calling me to impact and influence the people around me, to be living beyond myself. What is the God activity? Look at in this text. God's up to something unusual, supernatural, was happening, and Peter noticed. He just made a frigging fortune catch of the year, deal that would make his year. He realized it wasn't him, it was God. He realized it wasn't him, it was God. 
he realized it wasn't him, it was God. We call that grace. And discipleship relationships get curious about what God might be up to in your life. Huh. I wonder, I wonder why you just got that deal of the decade. I wonder why God helped make that happen. Why God allowed that to happen. That windfall you just got, that inheritance, that promotion. I wonder what God's up to there. Who do we talk to about that? How do we filter those events in our life spiritually? And the flip side too, gosh, you've been fired now three times in six months. Are we allowed to talk about that? What's God up to there? Is there some character building, development that God wants to do? Is there some humility that God wants to work on in my life right now? You see, disciple-making is about helping each other pay attention. We talked about that last week. To the God-Holy Spirit stuff that is happening in our story. Remember the Dallas Willard quote? Your story is God's curriculum for your transformation. So it's paying attention and listening to what's happening in your life. Why can't I overcome this signature sin in my life? I've been struggling with this, not for days, for years. Maybe something needs to change. Who are we talking with that about? Or is it taboo? Have I built a wall around myself? Discipleship is about letting others in to have these conversations in order to live the best version and become the best version of yourself. Real quick, many of you know the story. Five years ago, I was, I was on a Vespa going to a yoga class, going through an intersection right here downtown, and a 92-year-old man ran a red light and he T-boned me without even braking, going 40 miles an hour. The impact sent me into the curb and, and, and light pole uh, and in the gutter. And I should have been killed. And thankfully, I wasn't. Broke my wrist, broke my back, bunch of scrapes and stuff. But a man in my life who I would say is a mentor, he, he pointed out two things to me. This is, this is that God activity. Here's what he said. He said, John, number one, I want to encourage you, don't waste your pain. What does that mean? Maybe you're here and you got divorced. Don't waste your pain. Maybe you're here and you did get laid off from your job. Don't waste your pain. Maybe you're here and you can't get pregnant and you want to. Don't waste your pain. What does that mean? God speaks to us through our pain. What's he want to teach you through your pain? Are we slowing down to listen? Here's the other thing this mentor, this disciple maker said to me. He said, John, there's a reason the last funeral you went to wasn't yours. There's a reason you didn't die in that intersection on Annapamu and Garden Street. Your job's to figure out why. God has more to do in you and through you. Your, your job's to figure out what it is. Why, why did God spare you? 
Those are discipleship questions, see? And, and, and it's this kind of, what's the God activity? We're paying attention. We're listening. And we're listening to the Spirit of God to help us move and learn and grow and become more like Jesus. Last thought, discipleship or disciples hunger and thirst to live a bigger and better God story. Verse 9, notice Peter's response. After this big catch, he sees something supernatural. He's going, oh my God, that's not me. God brought in that deal of the decade. He didn't go, I'm the man. Dude, I, I'm the best salesman in Santa Barbara. Dude, I know how to sell software. I know how to make a deal. I'm, I'm going to write a book, The Art of the Deal. I shouldn't have said that, but... <clears throat> instead, 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 what does Peter do? He falls on his knees. Wow. Why? He falls on his knees. He falls on his knees, he falls on his knees, and he says, I'm too much of a sinner. Repentant. I'm not who I want to be, God. I'm selfish. I'm rebellious. I'm willful. I'm stubborn. I'm not who I want to be. He's on his knees saying, God, help me. I'm unworthy. I need you. Forgive me. But it also says he was awestruck. Just like, God, you're amazing. Look at what you just provided. I'm giving you the credit. I'm not taking it. He's awestruck at, at what God has done. And that made him fall on his knees. Here's what I have written in my notes. Maybe it's time you fell on your knees. When was the last time in humility because you were awestruck or because you were broken about your own sinfulness and selfishness, you got on your knees before God and just said, God, I need you. Here's what I want you to hear, though, as I close up this deal. I served on summer staff at Mount Hermon in 1980. There's a man there named Ron DeMuller. I think he's still up at Mount Hermon, but he's retired. Ron was in charge of Ponderosa Lodge. It was a high school camp. Every Sunday afternoon... The staff would gather before all the students arrived at camp, and Ron would teach us a passage out of the Bible. I still remember what he said on this one Sunday afternoon in 1980. I can't even remember my sermon from two weeks ago. But I remember what Ron said back in 1980 about this passage. I wrote it in my Bible back then. God uses sinful people who are repentant in ministry. God still can use you, a selfish, willful, rebellious, a sinful person. If you're humble and repentant, he can use you in ministry. He can use you to disciple others. And that's as true for me and you as it is for anybody. Don't think about where you've been. Think about what God wants to do. If you're on your knees, if you're humble, if you're crying out to God, God can use you. And this is how the story ends. Verse 11, 10 and 11. It says, well, I'll just read that last paragraph. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. 
Some of you in this room are afraid. Oh, gosh, I can't do it. I can't make disciples. I'm unworthy. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. I think Peter probably felt that way. Jesus said to him, and he says to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the next three words. Can you see them? They're on the screen. From now on. There's a shift. There's a shift that needs to happen. There's a shift that's going to happen. Last night I did a wedding over at Dos Pueblos Ranch. From this day forward, dot, dot, dot. What's that mean? From this day forward, something's going to change. From this day forward, you're my priority. From this day forward, that's what Jesus is saying. From now on. Christian, follower of Jesus, from now on, from this point forward, something is going to shift in your heart and in your life and in your purpose and in your priorities. What's that going to be? Oh, you're going to fish for people. You're going to spend your life thinking about who, my, I'm here to impact and influence other people, to love other people, to make disciples to have conversations that matter, that are significant about God, about our disappointments, our fears. And then it says, they left everything. Ugh. I hate that part. But then I started thinking about it. Leaving behind and letting go whatever is preventing me Whatever is holding me back from the great commandment and the great commission. Leaving behind my excuses, leaving behind my comfort, leaving behind my fears, leaving behind my feelings of inadequacy, leaving behind friendships that are taking me in the wrong direction, leaving behind misplaced priorities and orienting, I've used that phrase again, it's a Dallas Willard phrase, but orienting my life around the priorities of God. Love everyone always, go make disciples. Love everyone always, go make disciples. Last thought is this. You notice the word it says, they left everything. Wait, I thought this was about Peter. It doesn't say Peter left everything. It says they left everything. What, what, what does that mean? It means we don't do this by ourselves. Peter grabbed his buddies, James and John, his friends. He said, I'm going to bring you into what God's doing, and we're doing this together. There's a they, there's a community aspect of this whole thing. You don't do it alone. We do it together. We become fishers of men together, and then it says, and they followed him. That's what this is about. I think the Christian life, we, we, we kind of got stuck on, it's just about believing the right things. No, 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 no. The word, the phrase, it's always about following. It's directional. It's action. It's choices. It's decisions. It's not just, I got the right doctrine. That's important, but that's not it. Believing is just the beginning. So let me stop. Bow your heads. Bring the band up. Your eyes 
our close in this moment, but on August 25th, we call it Back to Church Sunday, we're going to launch an initiative called 40 Days of Discipleship, and we're going to invite you to, to say yes, to sign up, to, to embrace from now on, and, and for six weeks to be willing to meet with one other person to talk about spiritual things, to talk about Jesus, to talk about your, your life. And we have a little book called Renovation of the Heart in Daily Practice, Experiments in Spiritual Transformation. Those are going to be for sale on that Sunday. And if you're willing to do this, we want you to email the office or write it on your, your card and put it in the joy boxes as you leave. Let us know. I want to be part of the experiment of 40 days of discipleship. I'm willing to meet with another person and, and help that we would help each other follow Jesus and become disciples. If you're, if you're, if you're willing to say yes to that, um, let us know. Let us know, let us know, let us know. So we're going to sing a song of response. And for some of us, responding to this is simply in your heart. Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart. But for others, it might be that phrase from now on. You need, you're going to need to, to, to come forward. I'm going to be down here in the pit kneeling because I need to kneel. That When I read a passage like this, I have so many reasons to kneel before God, awestruck, but also repentant of my own selfishness. And if you want to join me, I'll be down here. Let's stand together. Would you do that with me? Just let's stand. We're going to sing. But I'm going to ask you to make a commitment this morning. It might be from now on. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to orient my life around the Great Commission. I'm, I'm willing to start making disciples. I'm willing to become the man, the woman God wants me to be. Maybe it's just, man, you were out all night last night. You dragged your butt into church this morning. You're like, I'm so far from God. Then get down here on your knees and get right with God in a moment of honesty and authenticity. Get real with the Lord. Just like Peter was real with the Lord, you're invited to come down. Our prayer team might just come and put a hand on your shoulder and say a prayer over you as you kneel. You don't have to kneel. You might just come down and sing this song as an act of response, but get a front row seat right up here at the platform. I hope that you'll join me. Let's respond to this message. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.